0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is another Recapables podcast. This time we're talking about Insecure because it's back for its third season and we're all ready to tell on ourselves for eight episodes. So <laughs> we're going to recap the season premiere of season three because that's what we do on the Recappables podcast. It's called Better Like. And here with me today are my good friends, Allison Herman. Hello. And Trayvon Free. Yo, back in the building. Back in the building. I'm just focused on getting this money so I can get up out of here. In this episode, Issa and Molly are basically trying to become better versions of themselves as they do always.
1: They're on some no better, do better shit. No
0: better, do better shit, as it were. Glowing up. (laughs) Glowing up. Uh, Molly is just now coming back from her vacation that she took between jobs. Fun employment.
1: It's the best kind of vacation.
0: Yep. And Issa is... Kind of just floundering at her at her nonprofit <laughs> job a little bit, I'm not going to lie.
1: Very
2: sadly.
0: Um, yeah, staying with one of her exes uh, because she had to move out of her old apartment. It's a really sticky situation. Yeah, I guess we should get directly into it. As you know, on this podcast, we give out awards, and the first award we're going to award today is worst decision.
1: Yeah, this is a show where that's kind of the default state of affairs. I would characterize no major character as aspirational
0: aspirational or, you know, just kind of, I don't know, well-reasoned in their judgment. Uh
1: This show is one of the highest, like, screaming at the television to actual run times of the episodes of anything on TV. <laughs> few other
0: few other TV shows really just make me relive mortifying decisions that I've made. Terrible than, ones. Yeah, terrible <laughs> ones. Just terrible ones. But... Allison, you want to go first?
1: Sure. Well, you mentioned that Issa is floundering at her nonprofit job. Uh, You may recall last season, if we can do some extra recapping, Mm -hmm. she uh, basically ended up running a racially segregated after school program (laughs) and didn't talk to her boss about that.
0: You know what? I didn't actually think about the logo until like she was doing the check in calls for the schools that they partner up with. And they're like, yeah, your logo is racist. And then I've like paused it and I looked at the logo and it's just like a white white (laughs) woman with three black children. (laughs) children.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's just not a great situation. So when that happened, her boss was understandably very upset and confined her to working at her desk as opposed to in the field with kids, which is like the reason why Issa wanted to do this job and is kind of the only redeeming aspect of her awful white racist coworkers. Mm. (laughs) so we come to her she's doing a desk job and she's assigned this menial task of just doing check-in calls with various client schools and Mm -hmm. she notices that a bunch of the names are crossed out and she takes it upon herself to do like a little extra credit work and ask all these departed clients why they're leaving which of course ends up being just like a giant list of everything the organization is doing wrong (laughs) and she decides that you know maybe the best way to uh reconcile with her boss, with her boss <laughs> yeah. is to walk straight into her office and be like hey here's all the things our clients hate about us and that i think we can do better even though i'm basically on, detention on the right now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and i'm not trying to rock the boat but i thought this was something that you'd want to know and where did you get this information i was hearing a lot of criticism during our follow-up calls and since our list of canceled partnerships seemed pretty high i thought it might be helpful to call those schools No, Issa, it's not helpful. If I wanted you to speak on our behalf, I would have left you out in the field. You keep overstepping your bounds. Yeah, I'd have to say that probably after causing a really huge debacle and possibly a lawsuit for the company would probably not be the best time to go in and tell your boss about, here's everything that you're fucking
2: up.
1: So the boss like dresses her down and I was legitimately shocked that did not end in like a, you're fired, pack up your things. Yeah, it felt yeah. that way, right? Like, right? I thought that was
2: like, oh, they're going to fire her from her job and then she's going to be <laughs> in an even worse situation than Ugh. she's been in the first five minutes of this episode. Oh man. Trayvon, what is your award for a worst decision? I'm going to give it to, man, I'm going to give it to Issa for moving in with Daniel. Like, I mean, it's It's really not great. It's like, it's the season. It's the story they've set up. But I mean, come on, when you you break it down into real situations and you look at what they went through Mm -hmm. in the last season and you're like, that's the dude you decided to move you in with. You don't have any more friends. Like, you can't, like, like press to think there, about it. You can not think of anyone nobody. else. Nobody. Yeah, like Kelly be,
1: doesn't have some space on her couch, right, that account like, and money. What like, is,
2: like, what is uh, Amanda Seale's character doing? Like, she's married with a house, right? I'm sure. Like, I think
1: she's a baby on the way, slash, I definitely wouldn't want yeah. to stay with that character, but But at least
2: times. the temptation's not there. I mean, yeah. like, to me, like, seeing her move it, like, I would have rather her tried to move in with that dude who lived underneath her that she slept with. Oh, man. (laughs) Like, just to get her out of any type of potential... Like craziness with Daniel. Obviously, it's the best story choice. Also, I mean, like <laughs> you gotta if you're
0: if you are you know moving out of the apartment that you shared with your you know like partner of a handful of years, the most years that you've lived with anyone. Right. You know, like up to that point, you kind of got to leave the whole apartment complex though.
2: Yeah, that's true. You gotta. You
0: gotta. She gotta had to leave,
1: slate. but where should she have gone? The Dunes I think is, is such a question. big part of the
0: show too. The Dunes is a huge part of the
2: show. But, um, I will say they
1: did like. It allowed for an absolutely incredible opening scene slash fake out that I really appreciated. It was
2: great. I know exactly. I thought the same thing. It worked on me, too. The Moving in with Daniel, though, I think if we're judging it purely from a character and not like what we would have done in real life, it was a bad—it's just a bad idea. I mean, she, I don't want to get ahead of myself or, or the show, but, like, it becomes very clear it's a bad idea. Yeah. And they mention
1: yeah. that they've already been living together for two weeks, and he's, she's planning on staying for at least two weeks more, which... Right. You know, based on Issa's past track record, I'm guessing sticking to timelines on major life choices is not her greatest strength. Not
2: her biggest strength at all.
0: (laughs) I think I'm going to go with worst decision. I'm going to go with something smaller that was just kind of irking me. Like the hand mirror that was nailed to the wall. (laughs) Yeah. I felt like I felt like I was being directly talked to. It was just kind of like it makes you think about how gross your apartment, like your right. like your bachelor pad or whatever. It's just well, kind of like there's
2: only X and deodorant <laughs> like behind the mirror. Was there a mirror on the like medicine cabinet as well? Uh,
1: yeah, I interpreted yeah, it, it as like mirrors play a big role in the yeah. show. Yeah. Issa likes to rap into the mirror, and then she kind of like looks into the small hand mirror. I kind of interpreted that as like. That's her mirror Uh for like girl shit, like makeup. And then she kind of like is about to do her thing, and then he immediately walks in. Right?
2: Yeah. I thought it might have been one of those like yours. Yeah. I thought it might have been one of those like dude hair vanity mirrors. You know how dudes like get their waves and shit, and they want to see like they're trying to look at the whole situation. So he's got like a front mirror. Yeah, you gotta you gotta make sure
0: they're on swim. You know. (laughs) Let's go back to that opening sequence a little bit. I guess we should just go ahead and move on to the next award. What's the best music cue?
1: Well, this I really just use this award to pay homage to the concept of the party lift, which is such a real thing if you have taken <laughs> a ride service in Los Angeles on Friday or Saturday night between the hours of 10 p.m. and 2 a.m., probably onward after 2 a.m., but I feel like after then you get into the like silent creepy Uber phase. Mm. <laughs> yep. But like a party lift You know, when you call a ride chair and you get in and this really well-meaning driver with like a ton of Axe body spray on is playing some really bad EDM and like there's (laughs) a weird strobe light. That's like such a thing. And Issa is now moonlighting as a Lyft driver. And her choice of soundtrack for part of the party lift that we see is Cardi B's Head. Mm-hmm. which I thought was just such a great, like, it's a top 40. Unlike a lot of the music cues in the show, it's like a diegetic cue. Like, you can yeah. just hear it playing on the car radio, but it's not, like, quite as all-encompassing. Mm-hmm.
2: Hey, thanks. About how long is it going to take?
1: Uh, we should be there
2: in 30 minutes. 30 minutes for four miles? Man, this is what I hate about LA. It take a long ass time to get anywhere. Oh, we don't LA bash when the party list.
1: It would just felt very. Like a party lift is one of those little like what broad cities to New York where they do something and you're like, Yes, that's a thing. Like I just passed that kind of bodega like five minutes ago. Yeah. Insecure, I think, is kinda setting itself to be that for LA and the party. I mean, like like I I
0: definitely one of the smaller things that I love most about last season was the sequence where she has to like leave her apartment at like seven fifty-nine to go move the car to the yeah, opposite to the side. Size, yeah. right? Oh for, my god, for, that's yeah, such an cleaning. LA thing. Also, nothing sadder than getting into a lift and they have an Aux cord but they don't have the dongle for your <laughs> for your iPhone. For your
1: iPhone.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah, because you know, well, because I'm I'm kidding. Anyway, <laughs> am I the
1: only somewhere like i get in the lift and i like kind of want the driver to do their own thing so i just like have headphones and i just listen to my own thing i mean if i'm with people you try to do the they cord, ignore
2: but, my headphones man I yeah don't, like they don't even let me i get in i would be on the phone sometimes and they just like want to fucking talk or they listen to like part of your conversation they're like oh you working like the like,
1: What do you got? <laughs> so?
2: Hey, you know i write
1: sometimes so like oh
2: god like
1: ease is a chatty driver that's that's, <laughs> right. yeah,
2: that's Uh, What about you, Trayvon? What's your pick for best musical cue? I'm a big fan of the end credit songs. The songs they go out on, Mm -hmm. like they always are very, very particular and perfect for what just happened. Yeah, like in the show. Like I can't even remember what song it was in the pilot. Do you remember what song it was? I just remember thinking about it Uh and noticing it throughout the seasons. Like every time the show ends, they find a song that's won by an artist you probably never heard of or maybe just heard of, mm-hmm. but it fits the story so perfectly.
1: The end credit song for the pilot was Jungle Pussy's Bling Bling, which is maybe I think it was like in my top five college anthems. Yeah. I have a lot of fond memories of that song.
2: What's the what's the last shot of the pilot? I
0: can't remember. Issa and Daniel have kind of found this, like, weird new normal where at least now he'll let her know if he's bringing right, a girl over. Right. They laugh at the living single spoof on TV. Yeah, that's what it was. And then she has this, like, kind of face of acceptance and, like, gotten to a cool place or whatever. And then she's like, okay, wait, no, things
2: are still kind of fucked up.
1: And then she leaves to go drive lift more. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, right. She grabs her jacket and the keys and mm-hmm. she goes, yeah, okay.
1: Also shout out to the new show within a show.
2: I was going to say like yeah. that can I'm, we unpack like, that yeah. for I a mean second. like we okay so throughout throughout the
0: premiere of this episode I mean throughout this premiere there are cuts to the TV show within a TV show that stars Eric Alexander um from Living Single right. and Bill Bellamy. Right. There's even a spoof on Roger from uh T and Tamara. And he comes in through the refrigerator. Is that what happened? (laughs) Yeah, he's just like, how many times I had to tell you about coming into my house with the refrigerator? And he's just like, and his catchphrase is booyah.
2: (laughs) I remember seeing the, hearing the line. And just not even putting it together. I was like, oh, this nigga came in through the refrigerator. Like, legit came in through the refrigerator. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's to me, it's, it doesn't top, uh, <laughs> damn, I hate slavery. Yeah, like, it's not as good as I hate slavery. <laughs> I don't know.
1: I did love the guy walking in in the Colin Kaepernick costume and then kneeling and being like hashtag hashtag me too too. too. yeah (laughs) Yeah.
2: that sounds like one of those jokes you do in a writer's room where you're like how do we get this in the show it only goes in the show if it's in another show (laughs) so it feels like we're not really owning the fact that this joke is like borderline (laughs) but like we want to do it
0: yeah no i get what you mean about how it's just kind of like exactly appropriate for the thing that's going on because throughout this episode molly has this new thing about I've, I'm on my no better, do better shit. I'm right. setting boundaries, which is really just kind of another way of her trying to have her cake and eat it too. Right. Which, I mean, like, that saying is kind of stupid because it's also like, if you had cake, why would you not then eat it? But... <laughs> well,
1: she doesn't do eating, but she does get eaten yeah <laughs> <Wow>.
0: <laughs> which was my, my wow. I mean, look okay. it had to be said yeah my,
1: also my honorable mention for best music cue is valley's womp womp is playing yeah while jerome is eating her out in her kitchen <laughs> next to an empty bottle of, of hennessy, hennessy
0: yeah. <laughs> um my favorite music cue is the one when she is in the nail salon uh, getting a pedicure. And like right before it, it's just kind of like there's Icy Girl by Saweetie is playing, which is basically this freestyle over uh key is my neck, my back. And it's just yeah, kind yeah, of like, you dumb. know, this is boss shit. Cool, cool, cool. And then the phone rings and it's Dro. And this is like her chance to be like, hey, boundaries. Like, I'm not coming with you to El Cholos. Right. And then she's just like, mm, okay. And then right after that is a queued up childish major song where the hook is like, you don't know nothing, you don't know nothing.
1: <laughs> I will say I would gently push back on, I do think like Molly does not necessarily conduct herself perfectly over the course of the episode, but where she ultimately ends up, she does kind of draw the boundary. Oh it's, yeah, she
0: absolutely does. I'm just saying that the, like the, I mean, it's yeah, one thing to moment. say it and right. then to like put it into practice, which is always a difficult thing. Um, I guess we should move on to the next award, which is who is your MVP for the episode? I feel like we already have our answers there.
1: Well, this is a great segue because mine is Molly because she does draw boundaries. She does. And I mean, this is kind of like, Droe is not my LVP, big, but I'm sure he will be somebody because <laughs> Dro sucks. And Molly is making a pretty good faith effort to draw boundaries. She explicitly says like, we need to be either friends who don't have sex or acquaintances who only have sex. Droe's response very tellingly is not to be like make the decision of it to be like, what do you want? Like, ball's in your court. And then she (laughs) says, okay, I want to keep having sex with you because you are a very attractive person and this is working out for me. But, you know, I don't want to do all the BFF stuff that we were doing before. And then he immediately, of course, ignores that. And, like, she does have trouble telling him no, but, like, he should not have made the ask to begin with. (laughs) And then... Eventually, he does the, like, pretty creepy move of letting himself into her apartment.
0: Yeah, that was not great. (laughs) And then she makes
1: the very reasonable point of being like, hey, can I have my key back? And he's like, why? And she's like, it's my key, as in I don't need to give you a reason to, like, no longer have free entry to my apartment. That's already Mm. a privilege. And then, you know, he pushes back, things turn bad. She kind of lashes out and says, like, you know, you guys can be okay, fucking whomever, but, like, I can't be that messy, which, like, maybe was an unfair sideswipe, but again, he put her in a shitty position. And then he has the nerve to be, like— you need to say what you want, even though she literally told him. Just, just
0: <laughs> seconds ago. <laughs> exactly
1: yeah. that. And, yeah. But then she, yeah, she says, I know I want my key back and he gives it to her and, you know, we obviously haven't seen any more yet, but it feels like a pretty conclusive door shutting given that, like, if we were handing out the worst decision award last season, Molly would get it pretty consistently for <laughs> continuing to have sex with this person. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: that's true.
2: Hey, great strides. Trayvon, MVP, man, this is hard because they're all so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're all, I'm like trying to pick like the skinniest kid at fat camp right now. Like this is.
1: <laughs> I just did a literal spit take for the listeners. <laughs> I was taking this opportunity to take a sip of water. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man! You know what? If, when I think about all the decisions everybody made in this episode, part of me wants to say Daniel. Mm. I mean, I think from a
1: story perspective, like, it, we should probably talk about the fact that Lawrence isn't on the show anymore and yeah. Daniel has kind of taken the place as, like, the third lead who's a dude. But we this is, like, the first time we basically meet his family, see his right, career, right. all that stuff.
2: Yeah, I feel like, of all the bads, his... Bad to me is the most justifiable in the sense of, like, you were saying, like, Molly is in this space of, like, I want boundaries, but I'm weak for the D. Like, she has her, (laughs) like, she, like, is doing this thing, and Issa's just, like, in the toilet, just, like, everything's going wrong. And I feel like you want to be, like, mad at him for having sex with all these girls like while she's in the living in, on the other okay, side that's, the-
0: that is that is supremely
2: messed up by the way oh
0: we should we should say <laughs> what's be- exactly exactly what is happening after there is a big beautiful overhead montage of like you know Baldwin Hills right. Medical Center um Compton Crenshaw High School, High High School. Right? No yeah, Crenshaw up. High School I just love
1: the scene was like- yeah <laughs> and
0: you know Raven Linnea Sticky is playing in the background and then cut in on uh Daniel's, Daniel's Delta to work. just going to work <laughs> And, and some loud Issa, noises. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like really, really loud noises while Issa is sleeping on the couch. But we
2: had, But at first you think it's Issa. Exactly.
0: Because like, you can't see her. Exactly. You only get an overhead yeah, shot of his
2: back. You would immediately right. think like, oh man, he's going to work on Issa. And then you cut to her in the living room. You're like, oh. Well, I
0: mean, like, it, I don't know if I, if I missed this, but wasn't it kind of like a weird fantasy sequence? And then because the nails that were on the hands were painted and then they weren't
2: so oh good eye right? yeah they were yeah oh i thought it was like just multiple chicks he was just like oh it could be it could be i thought it was like him cycling through people while she was like it could you know, be but either way, in any case
0: it was it's it's messed up to be doing that
1: <laughs> i think that but, even see, more here's,
2: messed here's, up. but see here's my here's my counter argument which is like how messed up is it if you guys are both playing this like emotional chicken with each other very true and you asked to come live in my apartment when you know like when i tried to like do this thing with you you were like i don't want to do this i'm not ready and then i'm supposed to one i would probably be doing this if you weren't here Mm -hmm. and i'm supposed to stop because you don't like cuz you're on the other side like you know what i mean like yeah. i feel like it's definitely it's definitely like- one of those
0: weird things where it's just kind of like when you come to live in a in a you know like large city and the people that you know become you know like you're there's only so many people right but also
2: you could have chosen somebody else i just well, think it's and- the most justifiably It's the most, of the awful, it's the most justifiable awful.
1: He has plausible deniability. (laughs) Yeah, right. I think actually the even more messed up thing than just like sleeping with other women in front of her in the first place is when she like lightly confronts him about it he like plays dumb.
0: Yeah, that was, I was, no. When she's
1: like, hey, did you know I was here last night? And he's like, yeah, and gives her Uh, this look like, what's the problem? Yeah. (laughs) Which is why when she like says it outright, she's like, don't act like you don't know what you're doing. You're literally fucking other girls in front of me like we don't have history. Like, his only response is literally to, like, nod and turn away and, like, tuck his yeah, tail between like his legs. Yeah, because it's like,
2: you—like, yeah, we do have history, and you decided to, like, literally live in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and I'm—like, it's it's—what he's doing is bad— but it's legal. It's like one of those like terrible things you hear every day on Twitter about so something bad. that's happening. You're like, "You know what? That's a terrible thing to do, but it's not a crime." Man, like bad, no.
0: bad bad but legal right. um is is is, you know, like that I think that that's probably the best description of that. Um also bad but legal is taking two Capri Suns when they're available. It's an open option to you. Right. But, it's um, a party
1: lift. Yeah, it's a party <laughs> left. She said it was a party lift.
0: She did say it was a party lift. <laughs> I think my MVP is still Molly, even though like I've given her some stick about not being able to enforce the boundaries that she set but i mean like then again who of the, who among us honestly yeah and if at you're the like best it,
1: friend since childhood who's yeah. also really hot and you have great chemistry with exactly like-
0: right. and he just kind of dips into spanish occasionally it's just like okay all right fine um but at the end of the, at the end of the episode like you did say she did eventually you know she got her key back So that is my MVP.
1: I don't think they ever really cleared up like how, speaking of things that are legal but not a crime or legal. Terrible but not not a crime. Terrible but not a crime. Are we sure that what he was doing was 100% kosher and under the terms of his marriage? I don't think the show is ever going to clear it up, but, like... Listen, if
0: (laughs) he answered the phone while he was in bed with her... That was a big indicator. And then then he says, says, I'm still with Molly. I'm just chilling at Molly's... But
1: she's his friend. So that's, like, the thing that was always weird to me. Because, I mean... I know people in open relationships. This specific kind of relationship would be out of bounds in like basically all of them. Being really? like, hey, yeah. honey, well, like, well, I difference. mean, like,
0: thinking about the fact that they are, they have been best friends since childhood, that's like a different kind of. Yeah,
1: there's also a difference between open relationship and polyamory and basically carrying on like two intense emotional connections at the same time to me is like poly. But like open relationship is usually just like you can have sex with other people, but right. like don't, don't let it get it too attached, emotional. Right. Yeah.
2: So yeah, I I,
1: I'm still I don't think the show is ever going to make it explicit, but I'm operating under the theory that Drew wasn't was playing fast and loose with the rules. I just
2: like the I just like the idea that they are like talking about and exploring a thing that is just never done in the black community, which is like somebody in an open or poly relationship, where it's just never been. A thing you could do or talk—and I think East has kind of talked about this, too, where it's, like, those type of things have always been, like, no. Or thought of as, like, that's not a thing that we do. Yeah, but, I've personally never
0: encountered it. Yeah. I mean, I know what you— yeah. I, yeah,
2: I know people who are in all sorts of relationships. And then, like you are saying, like, occasionally lines get crossed, people get—people's minds change. Mm. And— there's even people who are like— Like, how I, do you
0: make allowances for that? Right. Like, yeah. Or
2: even the people who are like, like, we can be in an open relationship, but that's because I want to be with you. I don't necessarily want to do anything with other people, but like, it's yeah, the only— Yeah, well, word, like, yeah,
0: anybody yeah. that says that is just isn't isn't built for that, yeah,
2: actually. It's, right, you're not. You're just like, yeah. I just don't want to give up this person. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, and the way Dro has conducted himself with Molly does not make me feel super confident. <laughs>
0: So now that we've firmly established our MVPs, we should probably move on to LVPs. Trayvon, who is your least valuable player?
2: I mean, I'm just going to go with the woman who runs. We got you all. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> she, Joanne.
1: More like Noanne.
2: <laughs> she's just all kinds of problems. Like every, like this woman is just, she's basically a villain at this point. Like, yeah. the, between like the the way she is very clearly blind to anything dealing with black kids while also running this organization Uh, that's supposed to help black
0: kids. Patronizing in all of the ways that you can possibly use the word.
2: And the most abusive to the only black woman who works at the company.
1: Yeah, I maintain that, like, again, Issa did not navigate that situation as tactfully as she could have, but also, like, Braiding an employee like directly in front of another Another one is not great managerial practice.
2: Yeah, it just was like, come on. Like, that's just awful.
0: Yeah. Um, Allison, your least valuable player.
1: So. I mean, it's Dro for pretty obvious reasons. We've like, covered them pretty thoroughly. But I do think it's worth noting that Lawrence has just been, like, disappeared from the landscape of the show. Like, we're just not seeing him anymore, I guess.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, Isa did talk about this, yeah. uh, you know, like, at the, the Insecure Fest. It was just kind of like, this is the reality of relationships, where mm. it's just kind of like, once you have that talk that is not, kind of heightened by emotion and you can take it down a few notches and accept the fact that you've grown apart, Mm -hmm. after that conversation happens, you might not see that person for a while.
1: I just think it's honestly like not great for Lawrence as a character, I guess, but for Insecure as a show, I really respect the commitment because most showrunners don't, either recognize that or, like, follow through on that recognition because it's easier to just keep a character that you know and the audience knows just around. And there's so many TV shows, like, I actually wrote a piece about this that will be going up in The Ringer, but I think the most infamous example is probably Girls, where, mm-hmm. like, there was a blow-up fight in season three, and in real life, you'd be like, okay, that's the end of the friendship, and then the show had to keep going for three more seasons mm-hmm. and had some good stuff, but, like, fundamentally, I feel like it didn't really make sense
2: yeah, it cheapens think it's, it
1: a little. Yeah, and there's something really, like, confident and mature and admirable about being like, okay, this character has run his course. We are going to, like, move on without him and, I guess, kind of promote Daniel.
2: I mean, I feel like they learned that lesson from Atlanta. It's like, you know what? You're just not in this episode or you're yeah. not in these episodes or, like, and the story in the show still works without you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, my LVP
0: is Daniel's friend that keeps bringing him whack-ass
2: artists. (laughs) Where the fuck you find these people, bruh? No matter how she sounds, you can fix all that. Add some extra instruments. Focus on the lyrics. Okay. And then (laughs) she comes
0: out. (laughs) Daniel has to has to find something nice to say and then she's just like, yeah, I've never heard anything like that, you know, which is true. <laughs> You're not lying. And then, and then she goes, oh, thank you. You know, I do be writing. And then goes back in the booth. And <laughs> and sounds then, good. No, but then
1: when she goes back in the booth, she starts singing and she keeps moving like completely away, away from the mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't want to compare the show to Atlanta too much. Different shows can be different shows while also having mostly black cast, mm-hmm. but like, It is great that there are two shows on television that have like very specific like recording artist music industry humor. Yeah, it's so rich. Yeah, it's so
0: good. It's so good. All right, we should move on to our last award of uh, this episode, which is most clueless white person. Allison, the white person in the room.
1: (laughs) Allison. I really love Frida as a character. I think the show does a really good job of writing her as both <laughs> like a little grating, a lot clueless, but also fundamentally like really well intentioned. Mm-hmm. And last season ended with her getting promoted and Issa being like, I'm happy for you. But now she has to deal with the aftermath of that, which is like, Frida's not quite her boss, but she's definitely like above her on the org chart, mm-hmm, which right. is a weird situation to navigate with your work friend. Mm-hmm. And Frida is not someone who can be trusted to navigate awkward situations, (laughs) not awkwardly. So I I alluded to this earlier, but Issa kind of oversteps her bounds by asking Frida, like, have you talked to Joanne about when I can go back in the field? It has been like two weeks since she was taken out. Seems a little soon. And Frida's like, yeah, you know, she's been really like stressed and negative lately. She has been so stressed and negative lately. It's like, okay, no, Anne. (laughs) You know, I just started my new position, and I don't feel comfortable rocking the boat right now. I just love, like, the way— It took her
0: forever to get to, I just got into this new position, and I don't feel comfortable saying that, which is a thing that you should just lead with instead of wasting somebody's time. Yeah, (laughs) I just
1: love that performance so much. It's such a great— like. She's one of my favorite sort of very niche supporting characters, my absolute favorite being Kelly, who we haven't seen yet, and I'm very upset about that. <laughs> but until then, she's the she's definitely the most clueless white person in my book.
2: Trayvon. I mean, I feel like I would have said the same person. Mm-hmm. I would I mean, I think of Yeah, I think Frida is probably. I want to go with Joanne, but I feel like she's not so much clueless as she's just like tyrannical. Yeah. yeah. Like, just like the,
0: all. yeah. I think we're all in agreement that yeah. it's Frida. Yeah. Uh, I, shout out to her J'adore quality t shirt. That is <laughs> elite. It's, I think it's only rivaled by the feminist gangsta like university block letter t shirt I saw on Sunset the other day. But yeah. yeah I mean, like, she's definitely
1: picked up a futurist female shirt from Other Wild. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I have, in fact, literally seen that act around the corner in Los Feliz. Oh, that's hilarious! Man.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, that's all the awards that we have for this week. We will be back next week with more awards. I may not be hosting. I might be hosting. I have no idea. But in the meantime, thank you, Allison, for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Trayvon, for joining us. I hope to see you back again. Anytime, man. And this has been The Recapables Insecure Edition. We'll see you when we see you.